0: well again good morning welcome to everyone take your bibles turn to daniel chapter one daniel chapter one we're beginning a series this summer on the book of daniel as some of you know i'm I, i'm taking sabbatic a two-month sabbatical starting today well not right now um give me an hour and i'll be out of here uh-huh. but um so I'm gonna be gone all summer is what I'm gonna be saying. And the guys, mainly uh, Gabriel Scott, they're gonna be preaching on Daniel. And um so I told them, I'll start and then you guys jump in. And so I told them I was gonna preach the whole book today, so that they got nothing left to say, but no, I'm just gonna give you an introduction. Don't panic, because I'm planning on uh I'm planning on departing, getting together with the Lord. Um I'll talk about it a little more at the end, but Daniel 1. This is an awesome book, as you know. Daniel is one of our favorite biblical characters. And there's really kind of a theme in Daniel where uh, it talks about Daniel 2.44 says, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. No one will ever conquer it. It will shatter all these kingdoms into nothingness, but it will stand forever. This prophetic word in the book of Daniel, to me, speaks of the coming of Christ and a kingdom that is greater than any other kingdom, that it will shatter all kingdoms. Now, let me just say this about prophetic apocalyptic literature, uh, kind of setting up the days ahead. Many times in prophetic apocalyptic literature, there's a meaning for the moment, um, for what Daniel is in. There's a meaning that could be fulfilled in coming days, and another one that could be filled in more coming days, and then an ultimate fulfillment of the prophetic word. So there's many times where it's it's tiered, where you'll see the fulfillment here, now, then, and later. And Daniel has a lot of this going on. As a matter of fact, we're not even sure at times if Daniel is talking about now, later, like the Roman Empire, after that, uh, and there's much debate over Daniel and what it means, and I, I, I honestly don't think we can interpret all of Daniel until Jesus comes back, and then we'll say, oh, that was it. That's what Daniel meant, but it is to prepare our hearts and minds and to, to look at the days ahead, and Daniel is um, Daniel's just a remarkable character, He's about to be carried off into captivity. He's probably between the ages of 14 and 16 when he's, when he's uh, carried out of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar is going to conquer Jerusalem, and he's going to do it in stages, by the way. Uh, I don't want to get into all the historical ramifications, uh, but eventually Jerusalem is going to totally fall in 586 B.C. It's going to totally be destroyed. We looked at that when we looked at Ezekiel, but prior to that... Nebuchadnezzar has basically conquered Jerusalem. He set up a puppet king. He's taken the best and brightest out of Jerusalem, and he's carried them back in captivity to Babylon. And Daniel and some of his friends were a part of this. Daniel's going to live. Think about this. Think of your middle school boy being taken from your household, carried to a foreign country. How's he going to do? How's it gonna go for him? That middle school boy? Scary, isn't it? To think of someone in this circumstance? Daniel's gonna live a life of obedience to God. He's gonna be, he's gonna rise in power and in might. He's gonna, God is gonna bless him. And we think, many of us at times, we think of Daniel. Um, always as a young man. When you picture Daniel, for many of us, our first thought is, oh, he's a young guy. But Daniel, the first six chapters of the 12 chapters of Daniel, first six chapters are more narrative. He's going through a series of kings. It takes a long time. It's years. So for instance, when Daniel's in the lion's den, I've told this before, but when Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den, he's probably 70 years old. He's not gonna be a young guy when he's in the lion's den. His first prophetic word, the last six chapters of prophecy that Daniel gives, the first one is in his 60s. I got hope. You know, I got hope. God's going to still speak. That's what I'm getting away for, is that God will look. And even at the very end of the book, Daniel, who's done the prophetic words and gone through it all, he's going to say, I I heard, but I I didn't understand. Even Daniel doesn't quite know all that's going on. He goes on and says, what will the outcome of all this be? Can you imagine 85, probably years old, never going to go back to Israel, going to spend his whole life in Babylon, have all these prophetic words, these unbelievable experiences, reach the end of his life, and he's praying to God and he says, I'm not sure what's going to happen. What's the outcome to be? And he gets this word, go your way, Daniel. Because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Even a godly man like Daniel is not going to get all the answers. Many times we want all the answers before we take the next step forward. And at best, what you're going to get throughout life, I've learned, is at best what you're going to get is the next step. And you take the next step and then God will give you the next one. And God will give you the next one. And maybe at the end of your life, you still look back and say, I'm not sure what all's going on here. And God is going to say, Walk in faith. Some of it's not for you to know the times and places and the seasons. Instead, just walk in faith. This morning, I'd like to focus just a little bit on um, this idea. This, idea and truth you find in Daniel of standing firm in the presence of the Lord. This idea of not compromising. So I'm going to preach Daniel 1. I'm going to read most of the chapter to us and make some uh, comments and uh, some points about how do we live a life of not compromising. Now, if you're high school, middle school, college, um, this in some ways it's particularly for you, but really it's for all of us. Because wherever you are, you're gonna be called on to compromise. You're gonna be called on to to take a shortcut, to to look at it in a different way. And I think Daniel of all books helps us to see what does it mean to live a purposed life dedicated to the Lord. First, I wanna encourage you, looking at Daniel, there's a prepared life. There's an aspect of preparing for what the days hold. Let me just read these verses to you from Daniel 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the articles from the temple of God. Again, this is that first wave of... Nebuchadnezzar conquering Jerusalem he's going to take the temple he's going to take some of the people these he carried off to the temple of his god in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his god then the king ordered Aspenaz king of his court officials to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility young men without any physical defect handsome showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So, here's the key that I want to show you. There are many truths we could look at, and I I can't unfold all of them. But one of them is, Daniel, when he got to Babylon... He had been prepared. He had been from the house of nobility. He had probably been in the house of the Lord. He had been trained in the things of God. You know, we have children's camp starting tomorrow. Uh, we, we have our kids right now downstairs. in a t- What we're doing in our church is trying to prepare our children. They're not only experiencing the, prep, uh, the presence of the Lord, but they're also getting ready for what God has for them in the days ahead. And in every household, in every family, I want to encourage you parents to be preparing your kids for the days ahead. The number of, I I didn't want to just go off on all the stats about the number of um, kids raised in godly families, in, in families, in churches, all their lives who leave God within college, Uh, post-college, after college. um, There's no guarantees no matter how well we do. But at the same time, we need to be preparing. We need to be getting them ready so that they stand the best chance of making a decision. All you can do is put somebody in the right place so that when the decision comes, hopefully they're prepared to make it. Hopefully in that moment, they're ready. Because everyone in this room, we all know, we're, you're going to face ev- constantly this idea of compromising. And what happens is, for those who've already, who are unprepared, they've already determined, they're going to, almost every time, they're going to make the wrong choice. Because it's in them already. Versus pre- Preparation. Last couple of weeks, we've we've been on this saga uh, of having our um, our bedroom floor redone. Uh, it was carpeted, and the carpet's been there through five kids and grandkids and dogs, and it was time. You know what I mean? It was time. And underneath the carpet was hardwood, and so we tore up the carpet. We had some guys come in who had done some other hard work hardwood finishing for us, and. Uh, my wife bless her she uh she sees everybody as a project to help and these men were like in our house a lot and so kathy kathy's gonna help them become better men better workers better whatever because that's just who she is so um their their van had broken down so now they're working out of a car uh, doing the you know so all their equipment and stuff is in the car you get the picture the trunk of their car looks like a nuclear bomb had gone off. So only my wife would go to two guys who are grown men, who are workers, and say to them, do you mind if I reorganize your trunk? <laughs> and so she did. They've, they've entered this special relationship, Kathy and Wayne and Big Boy. They enter this... Uh, Special relationship. So Kathy, totally, she does what she does. Goes in, reorganizes it, gets it all set up. Anyway, 24 hours later, 24. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Less than 24, right? They come back the next day. <laughs> That's their truck. And in my heart I'm like saying you just can't change who they are. They are not the organized in the box let's they're the they're the let's dump it in the in the trunk kind of people. Hey listen, what I'm trying to say is this, you need to prep, you need to prep as some of you I see you you know helping your spouse right now. Yeah, you're 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 not the organized one. We need to be ready. We need to be prepped as best we can. You have to, I I really believe this. I think you need to predetermine in your heart not to sin. And you need to predetermine what is it going to look like if I get caught in this situation, what am I going to do? What decision am I going to make? Because many times when you're in that decision, in that moment like this, you'll, you, if you haven't predetermined, you'll make the wrong choice. So I, I want to, there's a preparation I want to encourage you for. But there's a constant pressure in this world to conform. Do, do we not see it? I mean, you can, you can no longer just say, hey, do what you want to do. You have to be in agreement with decisions. And you have to, you have to articulate a position to, to agree that this is good and this is right. There is pressure to conform at all levels in our world. Back to Daniel. Let's stick with him. He was to teach them. This is the teacher that's given assignment over Daniel and his buddies. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. You recognize those names, right? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Fiery Furnace, all of that. It's coming up. But these are some of the guys. These are some of the ones that have been taken. We don't know the total number, but these are the small group. And they've been reassigned from Israelite names, Jewish names. Now they're given Babylonian names. And there's great significance in these names. You know, Daniel's name means God is my judge. The name he's given... Belteshazzar is the keeper of the hidden treasures of Bel. Now this is not a good name, you know, for for him. He's given basically an idolatrous name to his friend Hananiah, which means the Lord is gracious unto me. He's given the name Shadrach, which was inspiration of the sun god. To Mishael, Means godlike qualities or the characters of God. He's given the name Meshach, which means servant of the goddess of Sheba. And Azariah is given, the Lord is my helper. He's given the name Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. I mean, none of these names are great names, right? The names they're given, they're all idolatrous names. But you're going to see there's this continual pressure to conform. And the guys are gonna make a stand. And they're gonna make a stand over food. Now, think about it. Why, why food? I mean, they're, they're given a lot of stuff. They're going to be trained in the ways of court. They're going to be trained in the worship of the Babylonian gods. They're going to be trained in all of this other stuff, and they're given names that are basically pagan names, and now they're going to be fed food from the king's table, but they're going to now make a stand. This is the pressure to conform, and for some reason, it comes over food. Now, there's a lot of uh, discussion of why food, um, it could be and very possible that the food that they're given is food that's been sacrificed to idols. And so they're, they're making a stand over, I don't want to eat the food that's been sacrificed to idols. They know in their hearts and minds is the wrong thing to do. And in, even in the book of Revelation, which you probably, have, it's been on the screen for a second, but yeah, Jesus in the words to the seven churches, he has this word, he says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Now, in our hearts and minds, eating food and sexual sin don't seem to be like on the same level. I mean, as far as like sin levels are concerned. Sexual immorality food but for them food sacrificed to idols and sexual immorality, it was still violating what god had for them so it's in this place that they're they're trying to make a decision and there is this pressure to conform and look can i in my lifetime particularly and i i know i'm starting to age a little bit but I think I still look pretty good for my age. Anyway, just leave me that deception, um, if you don't mind. But in any case, my entire life, there has been... I was raised in the 60s and 70s, which is the sexual revolution period for our country. And the pressure to conform to the sexual morality of our age has been always in my generation and the generations that followed. There is a continual pressure to conform. And it's like, hey, this is just not that big a deal. As a matter of fact, sexual desire and meeting sexual desire is just like eating food. You see the connect at times? It's like, hey, you hungry? You You eat. You eat. If you have a sexual desire, you fulfill your sexual desire. There's, It's no big deal. It's just a God-given. Even in the church, this pressure to conform is always there. Now, I've told this story before, and I'll try and tell it quickly and gently, but when I was in high school, my senior year, I was working for Beacons Moving and Storage, and um, I, I, I was given an assignment of working with these same two guys all summer, Roosevelt, who was an African-American guy, and Diaz, who was a Cuban, he was Cuban. Um, I mean, so and I was the token white guy in the middle of the moving truck. All summer I worked with these guys. Now, I could go on and on about these guys. I mean, they smoked pot most of the time. So if you can imagine, there are 18 wheelers out there driving around cities, moving people where two guys have been smoking pot. Um, and so I'm in the middle trying not to breathe, really, um, because I don't want to be uh, high as well. But I, I'm, you know, in a closed environment, there's not really a lot of places to go in the cab of a truck. So at the end of the summer, these two guys are like, they, they talk, really, they talked about sex pretty much nonstop. Um, that that was the, the basis of their general conversation. And so they asked me a question, like in the last week of my being at the moving place, and um, they, they were asking me about my sexual experience, to which I replied to them, I, I've never um, had sex, I'm, you know, I'm waiting till, till I get married, and they were not only appalled, they were just stunned, stunned and appalled is how I would, and they're like, you can't go to college like that, I mean, this is their, their honest reply, you can't go to college like that. So the next week, right before I left, they came to me in all seriousness. They were dressed in their best moving outfits, they, and they came to me and said, Brooks, that I suppose my name to them, Brooks, we, right, we have a gift for you. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And they say, we want to take you to, um, to a woman, and you can have sex. I'm like, I'm sorry? Yeah, we're going to take you. You get to choose. We promise she's clean. We'll tell no one. This is for you as a gift for you to go to college. Now, fortunately, I lived a prepared enough life that in the moment, maybe a microsecond or two after I thought about it, I said no. They were so offended. That I would say no. To them in this. What they saw was a very generous offer. You know Daniel. And his buddies. They're. I don't know how far away. A long way away. Miles. A thousand miles. Away from family. People that they knew. They're going to be constantly. Pressured. To conform. It's always right before us trying to get us to conform to the world and i wish i could tell you that in all my life the pressure to conform i i'm just giving you examples where i did good right i'm not telling you the ones where i didn't do good there have been those that, as well none of us is perfect but we need a purpose in our hearts we need to get ready because the pressure is coming because the purposed heart. purposed eventually doesn't conform here's what happens with daniel Uh, but daniel resolved ah, can you go back one i'm sorry i accidentally touched my screen here we go (laughs) i'm terrible i need you to come back just Backwards. Back. I, I could go forward on this, but I cannot go backward in case you're... But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. So get it. Daniel's got favor in the guy in, in mid-level boss. But big boss, the king, he is the one who's assigned the food. So the mid-level guy says, I'm a little worried about what's going to happen. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. You know, job security back then wasn't quite the same. Being fired wasn't exactly the option. Like, if I let you get away with this, He doesn't mean in a figurative sense he'll have my head. He means literally I'm a dead man. So Daniel said to the guard who the chief official had appointed over Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So He agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So you you get the picture. I'm not going to summarize. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Daniel has enough wisdom to ask the guy, just test us for 10 days. Let us eat um, this Daniel fast. It comes later. Let us eat the Daniel food and test us in 10 days and see if we're going to look better than the other guys. Here's the verse that I I wanted you to kind of focus on. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, not with the wine which he drank. He purposed in his heart. See, here's what I think. It's not really just in your head that you make a decision. It's in your heart, the very center of who you are, that you have to determine, here's who I am. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to purpose in my heart to glorify God. Now, again, you're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to make wrong decisions. God is going to forgive you. It's, it's incredible what God will do. But you have to, you know that stupid commercial where they're doing like Capital One, what's in your wallet? As if that matters a flip. Really, what's in your wallet really is the key to the success of your life. No, no, I, I want to say to you today, it's what's in your heart that matters. That's going to determine the course of your life. That's going to determine your, your success. And you have to purpose in your heart not to conform. Because there is power in not conforming. There is power in standing for whatever God says, for ever what God does. There is power in it. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and had them eat vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning and Daniel could understand Visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, He found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Now, here's the question. Diet? Really made him 10 times smarter? This, you know, if so, I'm going on fruits and vegetables, right? To get 10 times smarter. It wasn't so much the intake of food. It was the obedience to God. God saw their purposed heart They're not conforming. And it was God who gifted them in this area. Listen, here's my call to all of us today. Is this, God will do unbelievable things in your life if you'll just let him. You may say, well, it doesn't seem like they're just letting him. You know, kind of like they're just stepping back and letting God do his thing. But really what happens is, when you purpose in your heart to follow your way or conform to the pattern of this world, you're not giving God opportunity to move in might and in power. But when you, you purpose in your heart and you step out in faith and you say, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm willing to be different because God has called me to be different. And for some of you, that may look different than it looks for me. Or looks for somebody else. You have to hear from God. But what you do is you position yourself where God can do what God's going to do. In faith, you position yourself so that he can come in and change your life. Paul says this in Romans 12, passage you know well. He says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I'm jumping in Romans 12, two here, but how do we get our minds renewed? By the power of the Spirit, who's at work in our lives. He's in the work. We've been free, set free from the law of sin and death. We're walking in the freedom of God. We're walking in His might and His power. It's our reasonable act of worship to present our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If I could could leave you this idea this morning, this truth, it's this. You want to know the will of God for your life? Anybody want to know the will of God? Here's how we work God, show me your will, I'll do your will, and then you'll bless me. Rather than what Paul is saying, don't conform, be transformed, then you'll know what God's will is. It's almost like we're just gonna say, I wanna know God's will, then I won't conform, then I'll be transformed. No, no, no. Determine in your heart by the power of the Spirit in faith, I'm not gonna conform. I'm going to be transformed. And as I do then, like Daniel didn't know 10 times more before he started. It's when he started refusing to be conforming and as a result was transformed. And then you see all these things happen in Daniel's life. I I believe we serve the same God. I think God's at work in the same way and that we can be transformed. We can walk in the same power that Daniel walked in, in visions and dreams. As a matter of fact, here's my contention. I think you can do more. Why? Because we all have, it's Pentecost, people. What are we celebrating? The pouring out of the Spirit on your young men are going to dream dreams, your old men, visions, Right? Spirit of God, all of us can walk in the power and might of the Holy Spirit. The question is, what voices are you listening to? And who are you following after? Are you conforming? Are you compromising? Or are you allowing God's work to move within you to be transformed so that your minds can be renewed and you can walk in his might and in his his power? I want to be like Daniel. Daniel. Even at my age, I'm ready for God to start giving me greater visions. So one of the reasons I'm disconnecting for these next two months is, is I want to be in a place where I can hear God's voice more clearly. I want him to speak to me about fullness and the days ahead and what he's got for my life and for all of our lives together. I want to be in a place where... I can say from now to when I die. Daniel's going to remain there until the first year of King Cyrus. By the way, that's a long time. It's like 60, 70 years more. He's going to be there. But in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned him, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Wouldn't you love that for our youth? Hey, we let you loose from here. You're so transformed by the renewing of the power of God in your mind and in your life that you're ten times smarter than everybody around you. Not because you're so stinking smart, but because God's power is at work. Work within you. Lord, I pray today that we would be a people transformed by your might and your power and your presence. God, forgive us. We're too often we... We give in. It's just easier to conform. And instead, Lord, may we be transformed by your might and your power at work in our hearts and our lives. Lord, thank you for the example of Daniel. I pray as the rest of this book is unfolded, as it's preached in the days ahead, that, God, you would move in people's lives, that they could see that Daniel's not this out of reach, oh, we can never be like Daniel person. But instead, because of the power of the Spirit that indwells us, we can be, in our day and in our age, prophetic voices of your goodness and your grace and your power and your favor. Lord, may it be true for each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, hey, I want to thank you. Uh, as I've kind of set up... Um, Kathy and I are, uh, are going to disconnect from ministry life for the next two months. Well, I start today. Kathy's got another week. She's got kids camp, and then she'll be joining me, and we'll be uh, disconnecting for a couple of months. You're in good hands. Our staff, our elders, trustees, our volunteers, awesome place. No worries at all. Um, but what we would like, Kathy and I, is for you just to pray for us before we leave. Just to join an agreement and I've given you some ideas about what I'm looking for. It's just a time of refreshment and hearing from God and um, soul care, really, for me and Kathy. So Kath, come on up. Our elders are going to join me. They're going to pray on your behalf. Chris is going to lead us in a, a lead in a time of prayer, and we're going to just be in a, a time of agreement together for I, it seems kind of self-serving. but please pray for me and Kathy. And the days ahead. Chris did you want to say anything?
1: First we just want to say we love you guys and we really appreciate almost really over 29 years of incredible faithful service and and just disciplined service to our body. A well-deserved time to get away and uh, it's a privilege for the elders to bless them in this and we want to encourage you as they're away when they come to your mind pray for them if you're like I wonder what they're doing hey, that's a good sign to maybe pray for them. If you're like, hey, I miss them, good time to pray for them. When you wake up in the morning and you're praying, pray for them, okay? Would you do that? And also just pray, pray for the body. But join me now as we bless them in this time. So elders, if you could lay hands on them. Father, we just, um, it's an honor and privilege to pray over them this morning. And Lord, we do pray that you would indeed meet with them. That, Lord, they would encounter you in profound and encouraging ways as they just think about the Lord, think about the beauty of your creation, and um, that, Lord, as they have prepared their hearts, you would just in, they would encounter you. Lord, I pray for times of, of refreshment in their bodies, in their souls, and in their spirits. Lord, we right now as elders, as we lay hands on them, Lord, we just declare and ask for a, a hedge of protection around them. That, Lord, they would be completely surrounded by your, your blessings, your angels, and your presence. Lord, we pray over the body. Lord, we pray that each family, each person would be protected here as well. And we would just come together during this season. What I pray that as you're speaking to them, Lord, you would also speak to the body. There would be a sense of... of what it is, Lord, that you really want to do here, what it is you desire to see come forth in not only Birmingham, but in Alabama, the United States and the world. We do pray that your kingdom would come in power and in might, that the, that the nations would be drawn to Jesus and we would see a great harvest of souls in this, in this generation. We pray for the generations that follow that they would follow hard after the Lord. And they would indeed see what an eternal vision. What an eternal blessing it is to follow the Lord. No greater blessing than to be with him. Yes. And we thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. We love you guys. Bless you.
0: End up with me if you would. If you're here today and you need prayer. We're going to have some ministry teams on my right and left. So, if ministry teams, if a couple of you could scoot uh, to one side or the other, I'm going to speak uh, a benediction over you. And then, uh, just as a closing, we're going to sing Praise the Father, Praise the Son, Praise the Spirit, just as a, a closing proclamation of His grace and His glory and our faith in Him. And then, if you need prayer, Come and get prayer before before you leave. Please, please, please know how much Kathy and I love you. Uh, can't wait um, to see what God does in your midst in the days ahead. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.